Center. Uh, I know that uh, uh, for some, when we have this time of the year, we can't help but uh, remember the year that we graduated. For me, it was 19 and, well, anyway, it was a long time ago. Uh, actually, Hastings High School, class of 1980, long time ago. And uh, that fall of 1980, I uh, made my way um, from Michigan to Springfield, Missouri, to be a student at Evangel University. And um, um, I took one suitcase and two boxes and uh, didn't know a single soul. And uh, it was an incredible experience for me. I was scared out of my mind, but I'm so glad I made that tough decision. And I was assigned to live in Scott Second South in uh, uh, room 217. And uh, about five years ago, um, I had a chance to be back at, at Evangel University at the end of their school year. And I snuck up to Scott Second South, and I went into room 217, where I spent the first two years of my college career. And I opened up the door and I walked in, and I'm kind of a, I like to go down memory lane, and I just stood there for about a moment. It was about five minutes, actually. I looked around the room. The room looked the same. The carpet was new, thankfully. Uh, they had new furniture, but it still smelled the same. <laughs> and I began to go back, and I remember my roommate that first year. His name was Chris. He was coming from New Jersey. He was 25. I was 18, and uh, he didn't know a single soul either. And um, for the first month, we were like glued together because as we maneuvered around the campus trying to figure out how to do this college thing, and uh, as I stood in that room, I began to look, think back at the hallmates that we, learned, or that we met that year, Scott Second South. And uh, not because of Chris, or excuse me, not because of me, but because of Chris, our room, 217, became Grand Central Station. Everyone wanted to hang out in our room and uh, had some great hallmates. Many of these hallmates are serving the Lord today, are involved in ministry at, actually all around the world. And... Uh, it was awesome to visit that room again. But as I was standing in room 217, I looked over behind the door. The door would swing open, and there was my bed. That was my bed, and that's where I slept. And um, I did something my freshman year that I'm so grateful that I did. I determined within myself that I would be a good college student, <laughs> that I would study hard, I would work hard, and that I would pray hard. And I found out that on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 o'clock, Chris didn't have a class. Or Chris had a class. I didn't have a class. And so on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 o'clock, I made sure that I was in my room with the door shut and in that bed. That's where I connected with God. And it changed my life. I am who I am today because of that room in Scott Hall. 217 where I connected with God and I did that why well first of all I was lonely I was a long ways from home and I missed my mother <laughs> and then secondly I didn't have any money <laughs> and so I had to pray and ask God to provide for me and he did and then thirdly I was desperate to connect with God because I had zoology 301 oh my goodness I got to be out of that class and so I was determined to have a time, a place, 
and I was determined to begin pursue a lifestyle of prayer. And class of 2017, the best advice that I can give you today is this. As you launch into your future, make sure that you have a time and a place and that you're determined to uh, pursue a lifestyle of prayer. Prayer is not optional. Prayer is very, very important. And the purpose of this message today is not to heap guilt on those of us that struggle with our prayer life, not at all, but hopefully to help create a greater hunger for a lifestyle of prayer. You see, where there is an absence of prayer, there will be an absence of, of presence. And we need God's presence. Where there's an absence of prayer, there will be an absence of purpose. Do you need purpose? You need to pray. Where there's an absence of prayer, there will be an absence of power. You need God's power in your life? Then you need to pray. We must pray. And so many struggle. Uh, so many of us are, are dealing with disappointment and so forth, but we never take the initiative, and here's some old-fashioned church words, we never take the initiative to nail it down on the altar. We may offer up a quick prayer here and there. We may pray as we're driving uh, to work in the morning. Maybe we'll offer up a quick nod to God as we're, uh, as we're going off to sleep at night. But we need to pray it through. That's another good old-fashioned church term. Pray it through. And before we talk more on prayer, I'm going to cough, okay? <coughs> there we go. We do not have a consistent time, nor place, and very little determination. Where there is frequency in prayer, there will be a display of God's power and presence in our lives. When we pray, God responds. And I know that some of you are wondering, didn't Pastor Chad speak on prayer about a month ago? Yeah, he did. And you're probably thinking back, you know, Bill, I remember a while back, you spoke about prayer, a message called The Room in the Basement with Orange Carpet. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and you're probably asking yourself, don't you have anything else to talk with us about today? No, I don't. <laughs> Prayer is important. In fact, there is no greater subject, I believe, than the subject of prayer. Why? A lot of reasons why. One of the reasons why is because all of us sitting in chairs in this room, we all struggle with this discipline. And because we do, we need to uh, talk about prayer. We've seen, and I'm, I think I'm having issues with this. How are we doing? Okay. We have seen in the book of Acts the priority of prayer as the early church was anticipating the next big thing. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in what? In prayer. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? Prayer. Prayer. Acts 4.31, after they what? Prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Some of us do not want to pursue prayer because we're afraid if we do, 
Acts 4.31 might happen in our lives. Prayer is very, very important. You know, there are a few songs that come on the radio, um, and w- when I hear them coming on and they begin to, the lyrics begin to, uh, they begin to sing the lyrics, I just have to throw my hands up in the air, and, and it can be kind of a dangerous thing and start to praise the Lord because the lyrics are just so powerful and meaningful to me. For example, Mercy Me has a song called All of Creation. Listen to these words. Separated until the veil was torn, the moment that hope was born and guilt was pardoned once and for all. The movies that depict uh, the death and resurrection of Christ seldom emphasize the most, this most important event mentioned in this song that took place on Good Friday. Let's go back to the Gospel of Matthew and let's read what happened on Good Friday. Matthew 27, verse 50, we read, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. You see, the tearing of the curtain of the temple was a very important event on Good Friday. When watching uh, a film on the death of Christ, most of the time we miss the scene of of the torn curtain. And if we happen to catch it, we don't understand the significance Here it is. The tearing of the curtain signified that a way was now opened into the presence of God. The curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place represented sinful humanity's separation from a holy God. Access was restricted to all except the high priest and only under strict conditions at the appointed time was he permitted to gain access. Look at the book of Exodus way back. Let's read a little bit about this curtain. Chapter 26, verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of achaia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasp and place the ark of the testimony behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. People before Good Friday could not freely approach God. The high priest could enter only one day each year to represent the people. And when he did, he had to bring in sacrificial blood. The only way to have complete and perfect access to God would be to tear away the curtain. Jesus Christ did this by shedding his blood, his own blood, on the cross. And as he died, his body represented this torn curtain. At the exact moment of his death, the exact moment, the temple, uh, the curtain in the temple ripped from top to bottom, literally torn into two parts. And now, and now all who believe in Jesus Christ have direct access into God's presence. Every believer can now enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
We have had that privilege for over 2,000 years to have direct access into God's presence because of that torn curtain on Good Friday. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this as well. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Once again, mercy me. Separated until the veil was torn, the moment that hope was born and guilt was pardoned once and for all. God has made it possible for us to have direct access to him. He calls us to draw close to him with confidence. And we, we're simply too busy, too consumed, too occupied to initiate a time and a place to pray. We all need a room in Scott Hall 217, I believe. Now, I understand. Uh, I'll be honest with you. The idea of, of talking about prayer, I, I, I get a little bashful. Because the moment we talk about prayer, I sense this heaviness that comes in the room. Because we all struggle. We all wish that our prayer life was better, that it was different, that it was moving forward. Please understand, again, we're not here today to heap guilt, but to remind one another again on this important lifestyle that we must, we have got to initiate into our lives. We need to pray. Prayer? What's a good definition of prayer? Very simply, prayer is two-way communication with God. It is the contact of a living soul with a living God. Since the curtain was torn in two, we have the privilege to come into the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? Absolutely. When we honor God with our time, he will honor us with his presence. When we honor God with our time, he will honor us with his presence. That is why we need to pray. So today, I want to take some time not to talk anymore about how, why prayer is so important, but let's talk about how do we do it. Let's talk, let's, let's, let me give you five action steps on how we can incorporate prayer into our lives. Here's the first one. We need to be desperate in prayer. We need to be desperate in prayer. We must realize the reality that we cannot survive as devoted followers of Christ without a lifestyle and a commitment to prayer. Without a prayer life, we will have an emotional life. <laughs> Without a prayer life, we will have an emotional life. In other words, we will react emotionally instead of spiritually. We will react and make decisions on our emotions, being emotional driven, emotionally driven versus God-driven. I wonder how many of us, before we make a decision or before we react to our spouse or our kids or our coworkers, 
if we're living in a lifestyle of prayer, it's possible we may react differently. We will flounder without prayer. We will wallow. We will flip and flop. We will struggle. There are no ifs or buts about it. There are no shortcuts, no easy passes, and no quick fixes. How we succeed in this journey of life is entirely dependent upon who and what we are in the Lord. And what and who we are in the Lord wholly depends upon what we receive from the Lord. And what we receive from the Lord is directly proportional to the time that we spend alone with him in prayer. It is what it is. It's kind of like going to the gym. If you go to the gym once in a while, once a month, you'll feel good for a few minutes, but there'll be no changes. You'll look like me, okay? You have to go to the gym more often. If you pray every so often, eh, it's good and it feels good, but you're not going to make an internal difference or internal impact in your life if you don't have a lifestyle of prayer. Too many spend, uh, to spend little time with Jesus is to accomplish little in Jesus. There is no true spiritual growth apart from our devotional habit. By taking by talking to God, we affirm our basic decision to depend on him. If we seldom talk with God, it indicates that he plays a secondary role in our lives. You cannot not talk with your spouse. You have to talk. We, we have to talk with those that we have a relationship with. So if we have a relationship with the Lord, we must Talk with him. Prayer begins with a passion to know him so that we can learn to become like him. How do you become like him? You get to know him. And how do you get to know him? You pray. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, be imitators of God. We learn to imitate God as we spend time with him. Secondly, we need to be persistent in prayer. I don't know if you've heard this, but the birds are taking over the world. They really are, at least in my neighborhood. I love spring. I love the flowers. I love the hostas that are coming out of the ground. But the birds come alive too, don't they? Now, if you're a bird lover, bless your heart. But I hope not to offend you. But I've got these windows that have a ledge about three inches wide. Perfect place for birds to build a nest. Every year, there's a nest up in, in that ledge. And this year... I mean, they're coming out of wherever. There's like three or four nests. And I don't know if you know it, but making a nest is a messy event. There's grass coming down from the window, and there's all this mud and dirt that they fly up in there. And I don't know if you realize this, but bird have, birds have these droppings, you know, and they make a mess of the house, and it's just nasty. So I said, not this year. This year I will, I will, I will win. And so every morning, sorry, I don't hope to offend you, but I go out with a broom and I sweep whatever they have made over the night. I sweep it away. I get it out of there because it's dirty and messy. Every morning for two weeks, they kept coming back. They're just persistent. And I said to myself, there is a sermon illustration here. And uh, so I took, I took a couple of days off, just a couple of days off. And I looked up. And I mean, the nests are there. Dirt's all over the window and some other things are all over the window. And uh, I give up. I'm done. They win. <laughs> And uh, we need to be persistent. 
just like the birds in my neighborhood. Because once we determine that prayer is important, our spiritual battle begins. The moment we determine a time, a location, and become desperate to commune with God in prayer, the enemy of our soul, Satan, will fill our lives with every kind of distraction imaginable. Anyone relate? Come on. Yeah. And here's the bottom line. Guess what? We all struggle. Any discipline, again, is a struggle. And, and the enemy does not want you to succeed in your prayer life. Please be aware of this, but be persistent. If you fall off the wagon, get back on the wagon. And the most common hurdle in prayer is time. I don't have the time. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, I do. If you are desperate and passionate enough, it is possible to make time for prayer. And everyone said... Thank you. Susanna Wesley, she was the mother of Charles and John Wesley. And uh, Susanna had a total of 19 children. But she had a discipline every day. Susanna, even though she had 19 kids running around the house, she had a corner in her, in her room where she would go, sit in a chair, and she would pray. And she would take her apron and she would pull it up, and put her head inside the apron, and for one hour, she would pray. And her kids knew that when mom had her head in the apron, you don't, dis you don't disturb mom. Now, parents, that is a good lesson. Amen? And I could go off on that for a little bit, but uh, let me just say this, mom and dad. The best thing you can do for your kids is to teach them how to pray. The best thing you can do for your kids is to model what it means to live a lifestyle of prayer. Don't give up. Be persistent. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray continually. A short verse, but a powerful verse. Pray continually. Number three, be a student in prayer. Be a student in prayer. Prayer is something to be learned and developed. It is best learned not in the classroom, but in the closet. Now, the movie War Room that came out a couple years ago, man, did a great job in helping us to understand the importance of that. And, and not all of us have an extra closet to do that. You don't need a closet. Again, you can pray anywhere, but I think a location is important that we choose a place where we can pray. You may be surprised to know that Christ's disciples never asked him how to preach, but they asked Christ to teach them to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, when, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They did not ask him, Lord, Please teach us the five steps for effective church growth. They didn't ask uh, for training and personal evangelism, but rather that Jesus would teach them to pray. They wanted to learn to do it, not how to do it. You see, the enemy rejoices when we talk all day about prayer in our church, but we don't pray. He's fine with that. So this summer, I would encourage you, uh, June the 14th, this week is Summer Blast, the following Wednesday night, 
uh, pastor is going to be teaching on the spirit-filled life. And a part of our Wednesday nights, we're going to take time to worship, to learn, and to pray. So I would encourage you to be with us on Wednesday nights beginning June the 14th. Leonard Ravenhill says this about prayer. Books on prayer are good, but not good enough. As books on cooking are good, but hopeless unless there is food to work on. So with prayer, one can read a library of prayer books and and not be one whit more powerful in prayer. We must learn to pray, and we must pray to learn to pray. I would challenge you with this prayer. Oh, Lord, teach me to pray. Just like the disciples asked Christ, I would encourage you, ask Christ to help you to pray. Oh, Lord, teach me to pray. Number four, connect with others in prayer. Connect with others in prayer. All throughout the book of Acts, the early church was praying together. The next big thing for you and I is dependent not just on our own prayer life, but our willingness to connect with others in prayer. And what were the results when the early church connected with each other in prayer? Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved because of prayer. Ask God to direct and lead you into groups who will pray together. We need that connection with God as we pray with one another. Place yourself with people that pray. I would encourage you, maybe you could initiate a connect group. And in that connect group, one of the main purpose for your group is to pray together. Once a month on a Wednesday night in here, we have what's called Missions Connect. On that evening, we pray. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for the world. And then I'm so excited to let you know about this opportunity beginning today and every Sunday. And after every service, uh, we now have prayer teams lined up, set up to pray for you regarding um, the needs that you have in your life. So after this service today, if you need someone to join you in prayer about anything in your life, down to the Connection Center, make your, make your way down there, and there are prayer teams there ready to pray for you. We're going to follow James chapter 5. James chapter 5 says that if you have a need in your life, call for the leaders of the church. They will anoint you with oil, lay hands upon you, and pray the prayer of faith. And so... Uh, after service today, if you need someone to pray with you, please make your way to the, to the Connection Center. And then number five, we need to practice in prayer. Another hurdle to prayer besides time is something I hear a lot. What I hear a lot is, I don't know how to pray. A lifestyle of prayer begins with what we have already discussed today. You need desperation. You need to be persistent. Don't give up. You need to ask the Lord to help you, and you need to connect with others to pray with you. But here's the bottom line. Prayer is not a system, but the development of a relationship between you and God. And the highest goal of prayer is to strengthen this relationship. There are models, there are plans, there are strategies for prayer. And I learned to pray because of, of my home. I grew up in a home that, that prayed. 
the room at Scott Hall 217, I prayed because, again, I was desperate uh, for prayer. And since Pastor Chad has taken us through the book of Acts, allow me to share with you the Acts model of prayer. We're going to take the word Acts, A-C-T-S, and we're going to uh, talk about how we can incorporate that into our, into our prayer life. For example, the A of Acts stands for adoration. Adoration is vocal praise to God. Psalm 63, verse 3, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Your spirit needs to hear your lips praise God. That's what adoration is. Adoration and praise puts God in his rightful position at the very outset of our prayer. We must first draw attention to God in prayer before we draw our attention to ourselves. The chief end of man is to glorify and praise God and to enjoy him forever. Adoration. Begin your time in prayer, the location that you select, and begin to praise the Lord. God, I worship you today. I praise you because you are a good God. I exalt you, God. You are just. You are fair. You are right. You're a God of mercy, and I thank you. I bless you for that, Lord. And begin to allow the Lord to teach you how to praise him with your lips. So A is adoration. C is confession. Confession. Confession is the act of personal examination. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, an awareness of our past failures especially tends to block the mind as we pray. Suddenly, we feel hopelessly unworthy of offering our request to God. Confession is to verbalize our spiritual shortcomings and admit that we have sinned. Confession is a good practice. So many times, I quiet myself before the Lord, and I ask the Holy Spirit to show me Show me the areas of my life that are not right, that are not pure, that are not holy. Every time I ask him, he shows me. We need to confess that. Sometimes we know the areas of our lives that we need to confess. And so in prayer, we ask God to forgive us. God, forgive me for my selfishness and my pride, my arrogancy. Forgive me, Lord, how I spoke to my, to my wife. And God, help me to do better. Show me, Holy Spirit, the areas of my life that I need to confess, and God will do that. So adoration, confession, T is for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is easy, should be. Thanksgiving is the act of expressing specific gratitude to God for blessings he has given us. We are a blessed people, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving differs from adoration, and that adoration focuses on who God is, where thanksgiving focuses on what God has specifically done. Thanksgiving helps us focus on God's faithfulness. Thankfulness takes you a long way. We should be a, a people of gratitude. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you for your blessings in my life. Thank you for health. Thank you for my family. 
Thank you for my church family. Thank you for the opportunity that I have to follow you, to serve you. We need to live a life of thanksgiving. So adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving, and then the uh, est represents supplication. This is when we ask for earnestly and humbly. God wants us to approach him with confidence and to ask him uh, for those things in our life that we need his help with. This is the part of your prayer life where you make your request known to God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ask for others, then ask for yourself. Even the simplest, when offered in faith, opens the door to the miraculous. God is pleased when we come before him, ready to ask him. I think there are a lot of people who serve God for a long time, and they don't grasp this idea that they can, they can go to God with anything. They can be honest. They can express their concerns and their fears and their worries and their doubts. You know that, right? Our God is our Heavenly Father, and He is ready and willing to provide for us. Learn to be real and honest with God. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And now, I'm going to ask you to fill some blanks in. Let's do a personal inventory. First of all, the best time for me to connect with God is... Fill in the blank. Now, this is what happens most of the time. We hear a message on prayer. We're challenged. We leave, and we're ready to make it happen. And so we're going to pray every day for three hours, and we're ready to go. And then after the first day and about ten minutes into it, we fall asleep, and we give up, and we said, I'm not doing that again. Been there, done that, right? Do this. Three days a week, ten minutes each day. Start there. Determine a time and a place. Be determined. Secondly, the best place for me to connect with God is. You know, I love this time of the year because I get to sit in my screened-in patio. And that's where I go most mornings and connect with God. Where can you go to connect with God? Number three, my biggest challenge in connecting with God is fill in the blank. What's your challenge? What keeps you from developing a lifestyle of prayer? And then finally, because my time with God is so important, I will take the following steps in advance to deal with the challenge. What are you going to do to deal with your challenge of not developing a lifestyle of prayer? We all know that prayer is important. We just got to make it happen. Dolores uh, moved from Wisconsin to Toledo um, when she was 81. And she lived here five years here in Toledo and attended Calvary until she passed away about a month ago. Dolores came here because her daughter is living here in Toledo and her daughter attends Calvary. Dolores was elderly, couldn't get around a lot. Wanted to be in church more than she was, but uh, I had the privilege to know her, meet her, and uh, get acquainted with her. 
I had the privilege to also officiate her funeral um, about a month ago. In planning her funeral, her daughter came in and we talked about um, um, her mom, Dolores. And her daughter said that her mom loved to pray for Calvary, loved to pray for you, loved to pray for my wife as my wife was recovering from an accident. And so very often, or, or many times, Dolores would say to her daughter, uh, have you heard an update on Pastor Bill's wife? I want to pray for her. Check Facebook to see if he has made an update. And she prayed for my wife to get well. At the last surgeon appointment, Jane and I sat and we watched the surgeon look at her x-ray, look at her arm, look at her x-ray, and look at her arm. Here is his exact quote. He said to us, miracle upon miracles, God has been good to you. So thank you, Dolores, for praying. Thank you for understanding that prayer can make a difference in our lives. Thank you, Calvary, for praying as well for, for Janie. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. And before we leave today, <laughs> we're going to practice what I preached, okay? You're welcome. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the Acts model, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, and we're going to practice in this very room right now. And so as the worship team leads us today, let's begin with adoration. A, let's take a moment and verbalize our praise to God. Do that however is comfortable for you, but uh, it might be good for you to just start trying to speak out those words and begin to praise and love a God who is for you, not against you. So let's take a moment now and give our praises to God. And so God, I praise you. I bless you, God. You are a great God. A God worthy of my praise. I exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah. I bless you, God. I bless you, God. I give you praise, Lord Jesus. You are good, God. You're a good Father. I love you, God is so good. So we take time and we adore him as we verbalize our praise. And then secondly, we move into confession and we quiet our soul before the Lord. We ask the Holy Spirit to show us the areas in our lives that we need forgiveness for. So in your own way, let's take a moment and do that this morning. we move into a time of thanksgiving and again this should be easy but let's take some time now and let's offer our gratitude up 
to God. God, we thank you. I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness in my life. Thank you, Lord, to my family. Thank you for Janie, God. Thank you, Lord, for the grace, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the provisions, Lord, of my life, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, may I live a life of gratitude before you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. I thank you, Lord God wants us. He, he longs for us to, to bring these requests to him. Those things that are heavy in our heart, those things that we're fearful about, those things that, are, that we're worried about, we can cast our cares at his feet because he cares for us. So now let's take these supplications to the Lord and let's present our request to our Heavenly Father now. All right, let's do that together. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help me, Lord God. I pray, God, that you provide, Lord God. Lord God. This is one way in which you can uh, give some direction to your prayer time. And so I would encourage you, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, take these principles, these action steps today and apply them to your life. You must pray. You must learn the importance of prayer and then put that into action. I have talked with you before about B. Bowman. B was 99 years old when she passed away in 2000, and I was her pastor for a long time. B was a little lady, lived in a little house with little money. And I would visit her at least once a month because she wanted to make sure that she would give her tithes and offerings to the church. And she would say, oh, Pastor Bill, oh, Pastor Bill, I wish I could do more for the church. I wish I could do more for God. But all I can do is pray. That's all? All you can do is pray? That is the greatest ministry that any of us can be involved in. Amen? The power, the principle of praying. So I would encourage you, challenge you, to live a lifestyle of prayer. Determine a time, determine a place, and be determined. Amen? If you have a need today, if you would like us to pray for you, before you leave, please stop by the Connection Center, and we would be honored to pray with you today. Have a great week. Thanks for being with us today on this Sunday afternoon.